0: I'm not sure. I guess this is right. I guess this is right. Uh-oh. I can't get it, yeah. Just we just don't get it. Don't we just don't seem to get it. We just don't get it. Don't get it. Uh public just doesn't seem to get it yet. If people got it, they'd realize that we as humans are in the crosshairs and uh basically being exterminated. And um you know, this is what you know. I used to say when I said the kings of terror are back, or when I made predictions in two thousand eight. To, to excuse me, two thousand seven. Okay, two thousand seven. Um, you know that the you know terror would you know obviously return, but all that was also coupled with depopulation and. To me, the biggest terror attack—the biggest ter- terror attack that we've had—and the biggest confirmation—that was eight. Let's see, eight is ten. So basically, about twelve years before it happened, that we got COVID, which was the biggest terror attack launched against the people, including totalitarian lockdowns and ta- ta- totalitarian attempt at taking over at that point. And then the the, the public kind of threw it off. But I don't think they really ever got it. You know what I mean? People are still... And uh, it's just really disconcerting. I mean, I'm here talking to you as, you know, just like one sane person to another. Can we have a sane conversation? You know, apparently, you know, they want to make everything now about, you know, they're trying to throw it together, you know, still trying their race war. And I think, you know, I got to give humans a little bit more credit than they give them. I think that... The really the 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 best way to put humans and 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 try to understand the lack of knowledge, which Jesus says, "My people perish for lack of knowledge." Okay, so let's just say Zeph says, then at this point, people perish in mass due to ignorance. But many have woken up and decided to go deluded, and that makes them stupid. But they weren't, you know, made that way. People the potential the potential of people of the human is far greater than anything that the fallen angels could construct with their nephilim and their uh aliens and and you know and and you know beings that have interdimensional properties and this and that but they still need to convince hosts to let them in right people are talking about the inner earth and then later on in their show i see them talking about how how they've come into this world through people using Ouija boards. I'm saying, honey, that's de- those are demons being summoned. And yeah, living in the inner earth, uh, you know, or wherever, um, kind of goes along with Bishop Kanko's uh version of the under you, you know, the world under the sea. Well, the world under the sea, you say, well, if you walked under the sea, you'd drown, but in another dimension, under the sea wouldn't could, you know, definitely be um castles. Cities, advanced technology, and we can't see it because it's in another dimension. Just like we can't see things outside uh, of our own experience because they would be invisible. Just like the Chumash Indians of California, when the Spaniards came along in their galleons. They couldn't see them because they had no frame of reference for what a, a sailboat like that would be. You know, they I'm sure they had knowledge of boats of some kind of flotation. But they couldn't understand it, so they just didn't see anything. They weren't stupid. they just you know that's just how the mind is trained. The mind is the thing that people have that they want, and so they' built this whole simulation it may have taken hundreds of millions of years you know that that's you know I know the people that stick with the timeline of the Bible that say it's four thousand years old and all that. Well, there are things that are four thousand years old, and this is a recent creation, but there were others. And the Bible does not uh, um, contradict that fact. You know, you have to interpret the Bible. You can't just like say, "Well, this means you." You know, all governments are good. Romans thirteen. You know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. It's assuming a a uh, you know an establishment based on you know um, standard principles, which many of which come from the Bible, come from God, come from you know, established um, religion and philosophy. You know, so therefore it would be assumed that people were a spiritual people, a praying people, praying for guidance, praying for wisdom. It assumes that, you know, when it talks about human civilization and governments and what government is for. Government mainly should be for, if it isn't, uh, hasn't been in my lifetime, but... Basically, to restrain evil so that people can be free. But but with free will, you have good and evil. The fact that uh, the mass delusion of the globalists, you know, to deny that there is free will, that's just so they can get, you know, they're lying again. They know there's free will. But it's to convince people they have no will so that they give up. That's the whole point in Harari's manipulation. He knows better than that. You know, I mean, Harari himself, you know, I I guess as the puppet, Harari himself um, is exercising free will by taking the position he's taking. And if he didn't have free will, he wouldn't be able to take that position. And he knows full well that's true. So it's just not figuring that out, though, makes me think, I wonder what the IQ of average people is these days and And you know so they 've tried to the the reason they've tried to dumb people down with fluoride and everything else in the water and the environment is because of free will and is because humans made in the image of God humans have a thing inside that they want they want to harvest, hence we have the matrix series, you know where people are being harvested people as commodities, which is now the playbook of course of the you know the globalists it always has been to Take the God thing out of the people, siphon it off, tell them they have no free will, so they give up. Siphon it off, but then give them the universal income, the constant computer game, the constant simulation to live in—a simulation in a simulation—so that they're they're occupied with all of their stuff, and they see themselves as avatars and heroes, and they don't see some decrepit old thing that's being that has tubes sucking out of it, it living in a pod that is being harvested as a commodity and being paid for the harvesting. They you yeah they say they'll pay you $1,000 a month as a uh, universal income or pro- probably they won't do any of that. It'll just be they'll just treat you like in a prison. They'll just give you your meals and your you know whatever and then charge it, right? <laughs> that's a, that's over 1,000 that this month. And um you know the whole China model is based on slavery and lies. That's all China is. Slavery and lies. The whole continent is a waste of time. The people could not rise up against the few and overthrow China. So the people have been locked down in prison, in slavery all this time. And they remain in slavery. Americans are slaves to culture. They're slaves... Excuse me, I'm trying to recover from a you know, another <laughs> another wave of of, of viruses. And, um, you know, they're throwing wave after wave at people, and you better be strong. You better be able to weather it. I, I've uh, been uh, using the uh, Dr. Zelenko uh, gummies, which I found to be superior to the Z-Stack, in getting that quercetin, D, C, and zinc combo and, of course, that adds elderberry. But there's something about it that seems to go to be very effective. But it, it didn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, I've knocked it out before. This time I've gone through it, but gone through it much lighter than, you know, than in years years past even. But I understand there are other people are deathly ill right now. I mean, they killed, they gave 30 people the jab. I think, what is it, New Zealand? 30 people the jab? And all 30 are dead now. So you're very weakened. But the jab wasn't really just to kill people. It's really also transhumanism. That is to turn the human into something else. Now, that something else does not have free will. That's being written out of the Lamb's Book of Life. If you take the shot, I I hope there's a way to repent for the people that have taken it once and then realize, oh, no, I made a mistake. I want to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, because see... It, it it goes back to the days of Noah. It's like, in the days of Noah, it will be like that. And people will be lovers of themselves and, and evil and wicked. And, and as you can see, everyone is, pretty much, unless they're on the page with the rock, with the Lord, which is Jesus, which is nothing but Jesus, Yeshua. Uh, <clears throat> he is the most high. He is the cornerstone rejected by the builders. The builders are the, you know, call that the globalist. Once you understand that, you have the Holy Spirit. Once you have the Holy Spirit, you see all, you, you speak truth, like we speak in this report, we speak truth, people have gone insane from listening to this broadcast, especially in the early days. I mean, they've gone completely nuts with, with just befuddled anger and, and misplaced anger and, and um, you know, wanting to kill all the messengers. Now you have you know a whole bunch of people speaking different, different aspects of the truth all being animated to do so by the animating source, which is God. And um, when you hear someone like Oprah Winfrey, and I want to talk about how evil celebrities are at this point, and I was reminded that last night I was doing a little research on Isaac Cappy because he was a Hollywood guy, you know, and he was exposing the pedophilia in Hollywood, which is what... um, what gets people killed and it was raging on when I was a a child right In, in not just Hollywood but in any gentrified society it was going on and now it's completely global and everywhere and they're trying to actually push it as legal and that was the whole purpose of forming LGBTQ it was not to give people gay rights it was to add children to the menu and that was the whole point that is the whole point, and that will always be the whole point, period. And any person that has proclivities toward, I don't know, anal sex, whatever, same sex, and not putting anybody down, not saying to do anything, let your conscience be your guide, let, let you be on your walk with the Lord, see what, you know, if you are interested in truth and the Lord and all that, let's see what happens. I don't think you need people to, when you're, it's funny with me, I realize that you know I do a whole lot of things that we could list up. You know, less and less as I've gotten older. But I mean, just I've done lots of things, and if we listed them up, you'd, you'd say, "Well, God, you're terrible," you know. But I'd say, "Well, who are you to judge?" Wait a second, I think this is right. I want to keep on doing just what I've been doing. I don't, I don't think you have the right to judge me and all that, you know. And it's, but it's not. <laughs> The only reason someone even says that is because they're projecting their guilt onto themselves, which is in the form of another person making a judgment call. Like, no, I don't think um, being, you know, a rogue sexaholic, and really people are omnisexual. If you really want to be honest about it, it really should be, you know, uh, know. (laughs) Rights for omnisexuality because people are have the ability to have sex with anything. If you want to talk about sex, it's you know, it's there's not this thing of like you're on one side, you're gay, you're straight. People could go gay, they can go straight, they can go sideways. Sometimes they go into bestiality. Uh, others hate to put it this way, but they get off on people being killed and tortured. I learned about that when I was a boy, and uh, I went to a movie that was really, I, I you know, I don't know what it was called. It was just about people being, you know, their throats cut, dismembered. It just that, all it was was just gore from one end to the other. And there were guys in the theater, and I was maybe 12 at the time, pretty naive. I'd already, I'd been through abuse and all that stuff, but my view of the world was still like, you know, I was, still, I was way under programming of the world is a lovely place, et cetera, et cetera. And that sort of thing doesn't exist, so I, I denied even even being involved in any of that. But then here, here comes the raincoat guys. They're not interested in sex with anyone. They want to see people getting dismembered so they can, you know, whack their little peepees. Seriously. And I emphasize little because be, that must be part of their own self-torture. You know, <laughs> that's, that's another topic I don't think we'll talk about. I'll let Joe, Joe Rogan talk about that topic but the the thing is is that um you know I became aware that there were people that you know now you call that a pervert. They can only really you know get off uh and they have to be in a, a collect there has to be a few of them in there so so they know there's others in there in the theater, and then away they go and it's um it's really pretty sick, but it's actually not that sick when you think. Of the progression to get someone there, you know, with pornography and then being attracted to torture and anime and cartoons that show really wild, uh, you know, death by sex, having sex with machines that core you out and cut your head off and people are just all over that and I look at that as a reflection of consciousness and I say, well, the human, okay, so that's evil, but that's one side of the human that goes all the way to death, Sex and death, and you know, some of the great poets would always write it. Well, Shakespeare would write about sex, death, and guilt. Guilt, drive, and shame drives the world, and drives our institutions, and drives the delusion, and drives this this simulation or simulacrum. And, um, and I don't mean the simulacrum of of, of a created. Space that that that's based on entropy, I'm talking about a, a you know a simulacrum of guilt and shame that makes people cover it up. I've seen all people nod their heads each day so satisfied I'm on my way. That sort of collective circle jerk <laughs> and and what it, what they're really what they're really talking about, even if they don't know it, is the collective guilt and shame and the covering up of the truth. And so in comes the nodding and winking. Just like I was able to say, and no one can counter this, I mean, you know, if they could prove it. But I'm just, this is a prophetic statement. The Spanish priests that were killed here were basically, the problem with most of the priest class is is they're perverts. Sorry. I don't know. That's just the way it wound up. But they're suppressing a thing, and then... At the same time, you know, there's this struggle between the uh, local Pueblo, call them Indians, whatever, uh, tribes, and Santa Fe. And then the, 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 the successful routing of the Spaniards, killing the priests and then having the withdrawal, but then only about a year later, like a year or two later, in 1680, comes in the, you know, the Spanish general conquistador. He comes in and he slays them all, and that was the end of it, and then it became the cross of the martyrs, that the priests were then, you know, lionized as martyrs, and so the entire base of Santa Fe is a cross on a hill, probably one of the bloodiest hills in, uh, in the west, in the wild, wild west and um uh, <laughs> uh so one could develop a scenario or just just a thought that maybe they were slain as vengeance for what they do to children because the big deep dark secret of all these secret societies and everything else is children So, of course, they were already there. They're more Masonic than anything else. So, naturally, children would be the object, because that's how it was, you know, that I was aware of growing up. It was all about children. And which ones are going to play along and which ones aren't. Which ones get chosen for commerce and politics and celebrity status and which ones don't. And that's kind of dependent on how you put out sexually. It's always been that way. And I'm sure it was that way in 1680. And this is what we're talking about is we're not talking about the actual thing itself like everybody else. I'm talking about consciousness. So man lives in a, a complete state of ignorance and denial 24-7. Generations of man. Millions and millions Even billions. So the globalists are saying these people are all useless because they deny their own humanity. They deny embracing that because in the secret societies they make you embrace your dark side, expose yourself to the group, let them have their way with you, become one of them, and then you become disdainful of the masses and you become elite. And what's driving it is your perversion and your lies and your guilt and your shame. And that's what caused the world system to be what it is. And that's what Satanism true, is really, is a conscience inverted or seared and being driven by guilt and shame and the need to do taboo in ritual uh, manners and also human sacrifice which is a taboo too because it always comes with um, orgies and then, of course, a sacrifice. It's all kind of connected. And um, all of it has to do with the inside group becoming predators of the outside group and basically forming a consciousness of disdain, but really it's projection onto the other, to the outsider to the non-member, and then developing over time a theosophy, a theology, that these people need to be killed because they're useless. We can replace them with machines. And that's where we are exactly today. And that's what... The reason I'm kind of going deep here, and I hope you don't mind, is because I hear other people's theories. You know, like I was... And I I don't want to, you know, call people out and say they're wrong or whatever. You know, people have their theories. And um, I was, you know, as we were driving, we had Alex Jones on. And he says, I'm going to tell you the big secret of all the societies and all the secrets that they don't want me to say. I could be in real trouble by saying it. And then he proceeded to talk about how most of humanity had been wiped from memories of, you know, of others other situations, other other civilizations, whatever. And but there are some that had the knowledge, but that the people that had the knowledge that were built in that just knew were also cursed because they knew good and evil. Like it says in the book of Genesis, they they would know good and evil, so we can't let them have the keys to eternal life because then they would be like us. Says the Elohim. So he's talking about that being the big secret. And no, I mean, seriously, I know. I'm not even gonna say anything. You know, I mean, there's no use even. But he thinks it's the big secret of the universe because he's read about it, um, you know, uh, from secret societies. He's had you know, people in those societies tell him what it really is. And then he's revealing it piece by piece on the air, what he has been told, what he has learned. And, um, you know, I'll just I'll just let history decide whether that's a deception or not because I'm not in agreement with any pretty much anything he says at all because I've been shown directly by the Most High God what it is, and there's a difference. <laughs> learning what the band is afraid of, finally I get from my grandfather, who's like a 33-degree mason, You know, it was like, you know, you don't get to run L.A. unless you're, and be on the board of 30 different corporations, most of the military-industrial complex. You don't get to be in that position without being that kind of mason, that kind of, you know, leader, that kind of um, elite. And so I inherited his library of Freemasonry books, and um, I wasn't really that interested. I'd flip through them, but I'm, you know, I really know that uh, Freemasonry is kind of like eight, you know, it's sort of like Eastern Masonry, which is like Zen, right? The, the whole point of the ritual is not to gain knowledge or light. As Manly Hall, Manly P. Hall says, the whole, po- I shouldn't do this. I'm just going to sound like I'm just sitting here throwing crap at everybody. I'm not, and I'm definitely don't want to do that. People are in, people need to go through their own process, but they need to be able to change. Sometimes when you think you know it and you put it out there and then it's not exactly right and you, your, your knowledge evolves in time, you need to have the, the ability that is don't charge people money to be able to correct yourself and to evolve in your thinking about things. Say, so, you know, I thought this a few years ago, but now I've been shown another aspect of it, and now I'm thinking more this way. And whatever I'm going to say now is what my thought process is today, but it's going to continue, hopefully, to enlarge as time goes on. And I've spent quite a bit of time here thinking I've most of my life, been thinking about all this stuff. And and, and I used to read Manly P. Hall and research at the Philosophical Research Society and at Griffith Park there, and... Uh, went to theosophy meetings on, on uh, Western Avenue and at the Theosophy Club and and then went to Vedanta and went to Eastern Bhagavad Gita, Mahabharata, um, you know, Christopher Isherwood, um, Aldous Huxley, you know, that, that whole, you know, book thing. And it just was a big bore because Technically, the wisest man in history, Solomon, summed it all up. He said, the making of many books. Oh, I'm kind of sneeze. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, I'm snotty, I'm sorry, and I, I blow it out and it comes back. Uh, I'm being snotty now, so I get to have the right to be snotty, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get through <food> this, buddy. <coughs> Would you like a tea? Oh, my dear. Sorry, you guys. I'm snotty. More snotty. I've blown it out and blown it out. I'm sick of it. Would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, with milk and... Honey? Stevia, or milk and manuka. Manuka. Sorry. But, you know, look at the other guy. There's other people that have this thing. This thing's all over the planet now. And they're basically dying. So compared to that, I don't feel so bad, you know. But, but yeah, we get a a head cold. Um, other than that, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, what I was about to say was Solomon, the wisest man, um, would say that, you know, in Ecclesiastes, the, probably the wisest writing, would say, you know, the making of many books is but vanity. In other words, pretty much every endeavor is, you know, to, to gain more knowledge or to gain anything is, is really but vanity. And that's really what the the higher degrees of masonry really end up understanding, is that it's not thinking, it's not intellectualizing, it's doing, it's experiential, but that the real secret of masonry is that there is no secret. I'm sorry to to counter all the people that have been talking with all their philosophies and all their thoughts about aliens and past civilizations and who we really are and most people are just wiped. So the bad guys in the secret society, they all know good and evil and they look at the masses with disdain and that's what Alex Jones was trying to explain that if you know good and evil then you're cursed because he said he messed around with Satanism and all that when he was a boy but and he was involved in elite circles and whatever. So fine. So there's a lot of people with that testimony. Okay. But the, the fact of the matter is it's... it's and and they, they tend to see these people... They get arrogant because they're elite. But what it really is is they see the world as useless and they want to get rid of the useless eaters or transform them into something they can control, a slave. But they also want, and this is very important... They want what is inside and that's why the matrix was so prescient because it was talking about harvesting and when they talk about harvesting the human, making the human a commodity and that justifies your income payment or really what it is, is your simulacrum where you get to live in another world and you don't notice that they're siphoning you off. It's the thing that's connected to God that they want within you. And the thing that's within you... Of course, DNA has something to do with it. But they want, to, they want to change the DNA. Because they want to end free will as a source of power. In other words, using evil for power to compete with God, to create their own system. And that would make them as powerful as God. And the problem is that, they, that so they think that going silicone... Uh, will be outside of God, that, that they'll be their own gods. And that's basically it. It's like a cartoon. It's, it's any, any child can understand all this. There's really not much to it. And the main thing is there's nothing to it. Again, the real secret, the whole crux of Freemasonry is there is no secret, is, is, is there is only one game in town, okay? And that's the, the ultimate secret. That's why the real practitioner of Freemasonry doesn't practice rituals, doesn't go to, you know, um, doesn't see a need for initiations, doesn't need a master mason to tell him what to do, does not need to be uh, in the collective and let the collective consciousness dictate his thoughts, meaning enslave. Right? When you give up the individuality, you're giving up what? You you symbolically give up free will. Symbolically, because now you're going with the group. And when the group goes evil, you can go evil. But the problem has always been, for those who know good and evil, and understand it, and that would be referring to people that, have been, that know God and also have been initiated into the dark side. And Alex Jones called them... Cursed, literally. I may be getting it wrong. If someone can correct me, but that's what he said. That people that have that knowledge of good and evil, that know what he's talking about, are cursed. I'd like to say that intelligent people are cursed, thinking people are cursed, super devout Christians are cursed. Jesus was a man of sorrow, so you know, you know. So it gets so wide; the definition gets to be ridiculous. The 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 key to Zen Buddhism, okay? Another form of initiation and rites, and you know, another man-made. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna try to be nice here. Uh, the key to it all is no Zen, which was also in the Buddhist scriptures. It's it's no you know the the old joke. If you see the Buddha, kill him. If you see the Zen master, kill him. If you see the Zen monk, kill them. No Zen. No Buddha. Done. Finally. You woke up. It it just is. Yeah? Okay, you're enlightened. Go, my son. <laughs> so basically that's really the, where all the books lead is, and what Solomon was really trying to say is, all the books lead nowhere. Because the real secret of Solomon, the real keys of Solomon's understanding when he went to the dark side when he tried to figure it all out is it came to nothing. And the kingdoms came to nothing. His life came to nothing. Everything came to nothing. It was like, aha, I see. For everything, there's it's it's the doing, it's the living of the life in cycles. And then there's entropy and there's you've got to get with these cycles and do these different things when the season is right because otherwise you miss whatever, it, what it was is really more in the seasons, in the doing, not in the intellectualizing. Though you need the intellectualizing to understand what the doing would mean. So you you see, even that, you can't just cancel one, you can't just just say, well, here's my system. Now, my, I no. This is what it is. The people that don't think about such things are you know also cursed with the fall, the fallen angels, and you know I almost felt like calling his show, and I'm driving, you know, that's I need something to listen to, and I'm always going to call in and say, you know, you've just categorized yourself, Alex, as a fallen angel, you know, knowing the, the knowing good and evil, you know, like another Bill Gates. That you know all this stuff, okay? Well, you've, you know, and it's a curse, and that you're cursed. And actually, n- nobody is cursed. I'm fine, don't, please. Oh, I see, people are worrying about me, right? We want you to get well. We both got no, with it, but it, we're getting through it. Coming out the other side. Well, just, just imagine. That damn hotel. Everybody was sick there. Well because there's it's spreading around. Bill Gates said this'll get their attention. <laughs> That's probably what's happening. But, you know, I'm uh you know, still here. It's amazing how much persecution there's been. You know, just stuff like, you know, the, the hospitalization in June was just insane. You could you really you really saw the program races there, you know, you saw the like I'm telling you, they were—they just wanted me dead so bad. I was just—and I still have injuries from the hospital stay I had that they caused. But I'm—you know—believing the Lord for healing. Uh, the one good thing is that uh, you know the, the the treatments I did get finally did did bring my life back. Around. I mean that that I would have lost it so God wasn't done with me but then he said, get the hell out of here and don't take their stuff. Don't take them seriously, you know And um, anyway that's in the past. This is today is what we have. So knowing that, okay I'm not saying that to get people disinterested in pursuing knowledge, like you can listen to to, I mean, I mean, you know, Jay Dyer has read probably more books than anybody, right? And He comes on and it's just a total bore, and I'm. But but there are people that really think they're going to get somewhere by reading all these books. I'm just telling you, you know, and if that's what you're into, then that's great. Read them, figure out what other people went through. And, you know, add in some of the uh, saints of Christianity, some of the. You know, the Hindu saints, the, uh, you know, you look at the the Islamic saint. look at all the different spiritual mystics all over the world, writing about their experiences, philosophers. You know, then we have the technocrats and we have the uh, scientific uh, dictatorship, which is being implemented, which they thought up in their think tanks, communism and socialism and, you know, any kind of dictatorial thing, but what it really is. Is the fight is with God. And that's what they're they've been trying to beat God all this time. And because it's so completely futile, but then and I want to say something nice about Alex. He said, but he had seen God once or seen, you know, had 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 been in the presence of God in in the past. And said it was so overwhelming he couldn't he couldn't handle it. And that is that is correct. It's 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 not you know, it's it's a time of trembling and fear and being overwhelmed and, and, and you know, just pretty much short-circuited, you know, at the you know, the power, majesty, and all of it. And, um, you know, so that's—and um, he acknowledges Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King, so I don't, you know, obviously—of course the fallen angels think that too, but I—you know, there's a lot of people with this curse— because they pursued knowledge or they had an intellect. If they have an intellect, God gave you an intellect to pursue things. It, there's nothing wrong with learning about, you know, good and evil. But, but to get too serious about, you know, the, the the people of the Enlightenment, you know, the sort of the empiricists that came along that have brought you this scientific dictatorship and the rest of it. To get too locked in and too interested in their stuff when you can finally sum it up and go, that's stupid. Yes, it's stupid in the end. All their pursuits are stupid. These are intelligent people. They rose to, to be leaders. But then as they got together, what happens with evil is evil dumbs down the collective. You get dumber and dumber until you start writing like, you know, Wall Harari or whatever. Which he's just like, like, he writes like a child now. He's a guy with a highly educated guy. But he writes like a child. He's pedantic. He's almost, you know, when you become so arrogant that you don't believe anyone can challenge any of your arguments, you start writing like a child. Like you just assume people are going to buy it, you know. And uh, you, don't, you don't back your arguments up. You just say, blanketly, oh, there is no free will. So therefore, believe me. I I think that's a big enough subject for people to want to go on a pursuit about it. Even a biblical study about free will, to understand, well, what is free will? I'm not just going to take it on your say-so, Harari. There is no free will. Therefore, let's go from... So based on the premise of there is no free will, his entire book then is garbage. Because it's all based on that premise. So throw it out. Don't form secret societies around it. Don't start throwing virgins into the volcano because of it. And the virgins in the volcano. You saw the Mayans, the Aztecs, it eventually just became stupid. And Mel Gibson was brilliant in his movie, um, Apocalypto, because it just showed the pattern. It's, it's basically a metaphor, an allegory about us. Yeah. That's, that's what the movie was about. It's an allegory. It shows what happens when you go decadent, and all the sacrifice yet. Pretty soon, you're just killing you know, fifty people an hour. Well, they're killing millions per week now, you know, and they're getting ready to kill a lot more. So they eventually go to killing. So all their philosophy, all their books, all their H.G. Wells's, and all their you know, you know John Locke's, and all their 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 Freemasonry, and all their Jacobin societies, and all their stuff. Leads to nothing. And Shakespeare summed it up finally. It's a tale told by an idiot. And i like to add a little bit to Shakespeare, if I may. A blithering idiot. Full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It's a lot of noise. But because they want to be... The, the minute they just said, we want to become a club... Was the minute they scratched out their knowledge, the minute they became blind. And then, of course, they all do the same thing. Eventually, they got to start killing people. That's right. And if you can, if you get this podcast today, you just, you know, burn these 20 minutes or so into a, you know, where I was good, okay? Where I counter all of those people, all the Jay Dyers and all the Alex's and all the rest of it. Just get that 20 minutes and just, keep that because that will show you you're on the right track you don't need anyone to tell you you're on the wrong track if you've gotten to that point and you've thrown it all out you're just like i don't i'm not pursuing this anymore you can have all your george norries and your art bells and all your extraterrestrial this now i don't care anymore yes excellent when you have millions of people listening to you, you know, and, and, and listening, you've got to come up with a show every day. You're going to talk about all this stuff over and over again, right? I was shocked and horrified. We were talking about this stuff back in 2005, 2000. And then, of course, I was in my own works and, and people I've been reading. Was, you know, I would say for me, the, the 80s were the, the, the decade of reading for me at the late 70s where I read everything and then finally just got to the point where I'm like, I don't see the, the, the good in this at all, you know, except that, you know, living a life of the mind, which is what I was doing, was putting me in a little ivory tower and having me commiserate with people that are dead, but feeling like I was in a little club, and what was being atrophied was my, you know, relationships. I couldn't relate to people. I couldn't do anything. I was just living in a, you know, in a, in a hermit situation. And whenever I would talk, people didn't understand me. So we just had no way of communicating. But, you know, that was tolerable because it's all intellectualism, which does not threaten the Satanists, not threaten the pedophiles. So they left me alone. <laughs> they said, oh, he's so deluded now He's talking about all this. Weird stuff and, you know, ancient societies and, you know, it's, you know, strange mathematics and really weird, you know, visions about the moon and crystal cities and, yes, crystal cities. Interesting. People that do studies about the inner earth, there's crystal cities there too, apparently. Well, and the Garden of Eden is there in the inner earth. And on and on and on about the firmament and the flat earth and the and the uh, you know the waters above the the dome above and the and the, that it's all water and you know like what the Bible says pretty much exactly and I've got no no qualm with that I don't see any difference between believing that and believing there's billions of stars I think when Carl Sagan said billions of stars I immediately discounted that because of the fact that uh, it's Carl Sagan, another, you know, a club member, not a scientist. He's an initiate. Now, to the topic of, the juicy topic of celebrities. I, I've, you know, I know that there's many that are, they're just programmed. You know what I mean? It's it's easy to blame the face that you see, but it's the ones behind them that made them that, that are truly evil. And when Isaac Cappy, you know, who was, you know, he was the kind of guy you'd see at those at parties, and you know what I mean. And He was like a a, a bit actor, you know. He'd have these sort of character parts, and you know, he was hanging out with uh, the celebrities of uh, of um, you know Hollywood movies, and particularly a Seth Green, who he he outed as a pedophile. I don't know. I'm not him, but that's what he said. And then after that, it seems that he, you know, as soon as he started outing them, naming and shaming them, then he ended up dead. They say he committed suicide here in New Mexico by jumping off a bridge. I don't know where, but he was living in Albuquerque at the time. It's interesting how Bill Gates was living in Albuquerque at one time. Do you find that strange? And Cappy was here in Albuquerque. And then he jumped off a bridge, but he says he wasn't suicidal. But then he predicted that he would be dead because of what he said. And he said, and he even admitted that he'd participated somewhat in some of it. Maybe looking the other way, I don't know, maybe not literally, physically, but he was... You know, he uh, allowed, in other words, to the, the price to be a celebrity, apparently, according to Cappy, was you have to participate in all this stuff and start joking about chickens and hot dogs and pizzas and, and all, whatever else they, however else they communicate. I suppose the ultimate one would be, you remember they had the cannibal club, right? Where you get fresh cuts of human meat. You join the club and they have a, you know, every, so often they have a, a big feast of human flesh and human blood for those who are addicted to it. It's like, yeah, yeah, probably if there are people that are driven by guilt, shame, and projection, which is the big sin, by projecting your inner nature onto others, then killing them, and what you're really doing is you're killing the sin in you, and then you, then once you do that, you push yourself toward further eating of hearts and loins and arms and legs. You go further in eating brains. and You go even further because you see now that you've created the sacrifice of the unwashed masses, right, either by music or murder or movies or whatever, however you go about it, I'm not talking about the subversive filmmakers like Kubrick or like me. Subversive. I'm not talking about people that are subversive. In other words, you take their form. You twist it, but you don't tell them you twist it. You just watch them squirm. You You don't tell them what you're doing. But to be subversive, I guess for me, is I'm not, I'm really being myself. So when you get something from me, it's really me. I'm not trying to mind screw anybody i'm just what i'm trying to do is be myself and be out there and you know put my story you have all these other stories that are just basically uplifting this culture as perfect and can do no wrong so you might as well or or they you know pick a favorite villain you know dirty cop cia this that that's real popular right now but still it doesn't get at the real problem none of it's really true that, that that's why it's hard for me to waste my time with, you know, with a lot of stories. I, I saw one last night. It was just a cheapo movie, I, and I've I've got to finish it. I I don't remember finishing. It. I don't know if I fell asleep or what was it. I was really tired, and I forget the name of it. It's about these people that are on a plane, on a jet, and um, they they are hearing, you know that the whole world has been nuked. And they're on a jet being flown to safety uh, because they were chosen for their their genetics, for their mind, for their, you know, as exemplary people to start a new breed. And I found that to be very interesting since we've been talking about nukes. It's like a perfect time for a nuke movie, right? And um, it was... Kind of hard getting started with it, but then it really got pretty good with the tension. I, I rate that way better than most Hollywood movies, and um, really thought provoking. And uh, you know, so but but these things are you know they're not going to be you know they're three ninety five to rent it or something, where they're going to charge you twenty dollars to rent something that's in the theaters. But the one that's $3 is going to be just that much more... It's going to be the real deal. That's the way it's gotten. If I see two stars out of 10 for IMDb, I want to go see that. Nine times out of 10, that turns out to be a great movie that they just tried to slam. Then you see the official, like I saw The Equalizer. They made me charge charge me $19.99 to see it. I was all excited because I was a fan of the first one. And it wasn't that, you know... It was okay. I liked Denzel Washington. It was set in Italy. That was kind of fun, but it it just was, it was you know, just no real imagination. You know, it wasn't didn't have the sort of magic of the first one, and I just felt let down. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, the the and it it had like, you know, seven point five out of ten on IMDb. You know, oh, this ought to be good. And it sucked. I mean, I'd give it, you know, a three, if I was going to judge it on its own merits. Like the first one was like an eight. I'd give this a three. Right? I'd say Antoine Fuqua, the director, is usually a great director. He just, I don't know. Maybe he just has was a wanted to go eat pasta or something. I don't know what he was doing. But it, it they all seem lost. I, You know, it's probably like, hey, we're going to do the franchise. We're going to do number three. You all in? And he goes, and like, yeah. The first one was probably like, you know, they, they developed it on their own without any perks or anybody wanting to pay them. They didn't know if it would be a hit or not. And in that environment, they really shined. But but anyway, be that as it may. So these, you know, and I don't, and I think Denzel Washington is one of those, you know, conscious celebrities that's trying to fight from within the system against the evil and believes in Jesus and prays openly as you probably know and you know there's 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 people that you know are in the struggle and then there's people that you know like when they came out with the operation freedom there's a whole bunch of controversy around that 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 may have been put out by by the pedos themselves you know to kind of like and you know they'll do this it's like Oprah. We go look for satanic ritual abuse in a, in a world of satanic panic and they find three people, right? In other words, the scale was brought down enough so that you'd forget about the issue. You wouldn't say it's everywhere, everything everywhere all the time. You would say it's it's uh, these people over here, those people over there doing this trafficking, these cartels. You're not going to see it as... You know, Rich Mavens and and in in uh, you know at Martha's Vineyard. You know, you know, bringing in the hot dogs. You're not gonna see Mom and Pop bringing in the hot dogs and the that. Well, the preference is always the little boys. You know, and you, you know the the uh, you're not gonna have them. You know, call up their drug dealer on the one hand, then call up the you know the trafficker on the other and say you got to deliver a bunch of children here. We're having a party. Thanks. I put it on my credit card. Thanks. You're not going to see that. So you're not going to worry about it. Right? And then, you know, uh, what, what what's the thing in Hollywood parties? They get everybody drunk and they have their little orgy and all this stuff. And, you know, that's that's number one. That happens right off the bat the first two hours of the party once people are in there. The clothes start coming off. People usually, they'll skinny dip in the pool to start things off. They'll get some people to dive in the pool nude. And then the next thing you know, it starts traveling to the sofas and the lights go low and everyone's sort of fondling everybody. Next thing you know, they're all into it. They're all on ecstasy and blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the night, for those people who are still up, then, you know, after midnight, we're going to let it all hang down, right? (laughs) Then they bring the children in, right? At that point. And that's just like, where? Well, it's all up and down the street, on that street, on this, on this, and that, on every street. It's everywhere. I don't know. It's nowhere. Abacab isn't anywhere. You know, just to show how many rock stars are involved in all this. Right? They, they, but they're trying to, they're trying desperately to make it all work. And to reform it and get rid of that evil, but they never quite bring it up because they're not suicidal. That's, I mean, that's a good way to, you know, just, they're not going to bring it. Plus, what I'm talking about here, it's all theoretical. But when they start getting into the, like when they start picking on Tom Hanks, that might have been perfectly legitimate. They call him, he's, he's like the biggest violator. And, you know, uh, they called him out even at the Academy Awards. You know, they started just calling him pervert. What's his name? The comedian just started calling him, you know, perverts. All of them. And the word pervert means pedophile in his case. Yeah, you know, the British bloke. I, I, I'm sorry I forget his name now, but it's just it's just the heat of the moment. And, uh uh... It just shows how detached I am because I don't watch TV, you know, and I don't, I pretty much, you know, am, am kind of ending up being just like radio. I like radio. There's nothing really, you know, on these podcasts that have video, they're really boring. If someone's going to talk for two hours and do video, they're, unless they're switching it up and showing you lots and lots of inserts, it's boring. You know what I mean? It's just don't, It's what you want is the radio. That's the thing. Radio always works, but um, so the pursuit of nothing, which is kind of like my pursuit right now. I pr- I pursue nothing. I seek nothing. I'm not a, I'm not a truth seeker or a knowledge seeker. I have sought and I have found, and I'm really not that impressed with myself. Oh, I know that. Aren't I smart? No. I know that. It's not my fault. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't have to carry that on my shoulders or any of it because I didn't do it. I didn't build it. I didn't make that happen, as Obama said. You know, basically, what we've always said here was the whole civilization's been built on the blood of innocence. And, and constant you know, civilizations of man have been built on the blood of the, of the conquered and then the innocents. And then when you have no one else to prey on, what are you going to prey on the innocent in your society? Abortions and children and this and that until finally civil war. Why not just kill everybody? Eventually it just goes to that because it's a mass projection because society suffers basically from guilt and shame. That's the driver and yeah, it's so funny, these people dealing with their issues, I feel guilt and shame, and I was abused, I feel guilty for it, and I, I need to get over it, my life has been ruined, of course your life is ruined, but they're all laughing at you, because they went through the, uh, they were abused too, and they're not talking about it, they're doing it, and they're laughing at you, oh, isn't that cute, he feels guilt and shame about what happened, that happens to everybody, grow up. What's wrong with you? That's right. Oh, just grow up. What do you think the world is? Huh? What do you think this is? Some kind of joyride? You know, you, you got nothing. How are you going to pay up the ladder? You're going you're gonna to have to put out like everybody else. And I mean everybody. Oh. Well, okay. Then there are those pure hearts that put out and they don't get nothing for it. And they get bitter and angry. Oh, I, oh they might even become a revolutionary against the elites, but yet they're still tainted because they're not, they're not delivered. Yeah, then we have all the fake Christians which is a cliche, which is almost all, all you know. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, it's almost all, um, you, you, you know, that in before the podcast came. And now that there's podcasts, you're getting truth. But again, look at the difference. Start if you want. You know, I mean, I'm not telling you to read any books. Not telling you to, to look at any pursuit not telling you to look up Wikipedia on anything, not not advising you to go. You know, um, I'd say yeah, read read the Bible, but if you're not going to read it with spirit, if it's not going to be a living thing to you, then don't do it. Because it's all it's all a bridge to nowhere. You, you know, in the very beginning, when I was trying to pronounce the name of God, for example. Before the big, you know, fad of Yahweh, Yahuwah, whatever, I got the name. It was more like, like probably like Yahuwah, but it was really Yahua, kind of like that sound, like 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 a uh, Arabic sound or an Israeli sound, like Wa Yahua, You know, not the most pleasant sound in the world, but I got that. I don't know, a hundred years ago but I'll say Yahweh, and I'll say this and that, but it's Yahuwah, you know. I knew that before you were born, jerk. I was, sh- showed, but if you don't have the inflection like I just gave you, then you're still doing it wrong using Western uh, syllabication, Yahuwah, no, Yahuwah, something like that. And I know other people that have a, a musical ear that have they agree with me. They see it's just, that that's what it is. But, but then the name also... See, it's wrong to say it in space and time. As we have here, because of the illusionary nature of our situation. Technically, the name should never stop being... It should never stop. You, you would never get to the end of it. <laughs> Which, it's kind of a dichotomy. So anything you say here is already tainted. So the best thing to do is adopt the the the, the, the pure-hearted approach. Jesus, Yahweh, you, you know, Jehovah, Yehovah, whatever. You know, it all has to be translated into spirit, which is the proper name. Right? But more better to be like to have the heart of a child, because those are the people that enter in, that have the presence of God. Right? The simplest Jesus, please help me. You know, just that, that's that simple, pure-hearted yearning for God, please be with me. I, I don't know, feel everything's falling apart, Lord. I, if I'm going to die, Lord, please stay with me. Please help me through. If they're really just going to start killing everybody, Lord, please help me cope with that level of evil because I've never seen that before. well they've already started killing everybody in case you haven't noticed but the public is unaware they're still out there you know god bless them they're out there you know they're they're trying to do things they're trying to behave normally in the hopes that it'll catch on that they'll be able to overturn it by just being good people and it it takes more than that the the, the problem is guilt and shame because everybody has participated in the cover up. Therefore the guilt and shame gets projected as hatred onto other groups or anything outside, you know, your little group. And that's how you get massive civil wars and violence and evil and you know, robbery and just, you know, targeting of you know I mean I find it interesting the, 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 the elderly are targeted. Yeah, because they're easy to bump off. Of course that'd be the easiest target, elderly and children. I started really crying when I saw these two big, you know, black guys in a car and, then, and an elderly white woman crossing the road with a, a walker and they jumped out of the car to help her across the street. And I was just like so much for all these cliches they're trying to put in our minds about black people and white people and these people and those people that totally defied the uh, stereotype that they're trying to paint every day to, to get a race war and they helped her they took her walker over there and they then they they literally carried her to her walker heartbreaking and that's really you know the, the the way most people are have that god thing in them that that ability to empathize that ability to to have compassion or to to see through this programming and all this Tragedy, and understand this is not the end of the world. You know, this isn't even the world. This is an entropic simulacrum. And entropy is is uh, something that happens in um, in systems. You know, and uh, when a system gets overrun, it gets when a computer gets too much data and too many algorithms and too much stuff. It starts slowing down, and finally, if you keep overloading it, it just dies, right? And that's kind of what happens here. As we learn more, as we go forward, and getting more just exponential, more and more knowledge. The more knowledge we have, the the increase of the time versus entropy line, it, it starts going up at it almost vertically. You know, we are we are throttling toward entropy. You know. Entropy is fueling our our, our jet plane that's, that's, that's hurtling toward the end of the world. Because when everyone knows everything, when everything is known, when everything is up, when everything is complete, when we can go no further, then that's it. The plug is pulled. Now, that could only happen in a closed system, in a computer system. That can't really happen in natural life, although it looks like it's organic, and it's, 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 it looks like we were operating in cycles, but those cycles are also predictable and, uh, and, and algorithmic. So it's very, uh, so someone might ask, well, how do we get out of here then? The answer is, again, go back to being a little kid and ask your daddy who made you, what do I do? How do I get out of here, Lord? What, do, what now? Don't listen to those people, all that screaming out there. Just keep your eyes on me. It'll be fine. Don't look down at that water like Peter. Just keep your eyes on me. And like a little kid, that's how we're going to cross over. That's the only way to cross over. Jesus tried to make that clear. And when, you know, he said, unless you have the, you know, unless you're like these little children, you will not see the kingdom of God. And the other one was, unless you can forgive You won't be forgiven. He was very stern about that. And anyone that abuses these children, they will be, you know, better off if a millstone were hanged about their neck and they were drowned at the bottom of the sea. And that's basically kind of the whole deal right there. (laughs) That's that's the, forget all the books, that's it right there. And if you truly have the Holy Spirit, then as times get really, really down, really awful, then you, you find your purpose, you find your way, and you take... It becomes your life, the end of the world. So you are in harmony with it, the end of the world. And so you're happy with the end of the world. Because look at all the great things that happen at the end of the world. Everything completes. It's bogged down. It can't work. Nothing can work anymore. All the systems are broken down due to entropy, which is really overload of the computer of the CPU in the simulacrum. In the ant farm, I like to call it. So the next trend is everything is complete. And it's interesting. I saw an article. Oh, I was going to share this with you. And it said that Gen Z doesn't want any more sex and really and violence in movies. They want stories about friendships and what those are. And I just laughed to myself. I said, you know, there is no such thing as No violence. There is no such thing as friendship. Friendships are very violent. I just, you know, it was so ironic, the statement. It was like, these people, they talk in stup- stupid language, like dumb dummies. But it's done for a purpose, dumbing down the public. And so then Bill Gates will look out there and say, well, what's the use of these people anyway? They don't read, they don't write, they don't know anything. They just sit there staring out in the space. What, what, what? Why have them here at all? Of course, they all think that way, but then I also think that way about them. Why have a Bill Gates here because he's learned how to pass the karmic residue onto somebody else when he does something bad. His day is coming don't 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 even think his day is here already today. his whole thing is falling apart, his public image is falling apart. Just like the present, they're all fa- all their images are falling apart. And here's some good news for you: their entire plan is going to fall apart. But that's still apocalyptic. Yeah. But but okay, but I'll take it. There's going to be a lot of people very happy at watching them fall apart. Watching ju- they're they're going to just take the long ni- have the night of long knives with Klaus Schwab. They're just going to have their way with the Soroses, and they're going to take them all out. Their own. I mean, not not you and me or people that were victims, but their own. Is already working on taking them out because they want to replace them. Because it's a cutthroat business; it's total treachery. They made all their money and all their power and all their prestige off treachery, off betrayal, off lying, which is what they do all day long. I'm going to cut all the trees down, and you know, and that'll help with global warming or <laughs> whatever. You know, whatever others. He's used to saying stupid stuff like that. And and people, bl- I'm going to blot the sun out. And what he's really doing is just terraforming it for some other kind of species based on silicone. Yeah, it's, it's obvious, but he'll never tell you that. We just got to. We could actually cure climate change by having lots more trees. And it's like climate change is not a problem, dude. It's always been climate change. <laughs> and people actually say things like that on the air. They go, "Well, due to climate change, we've had to lock down." What? The climate changes, but yeah, they have machines that cause earthquakes and, you know, can heat up the ionosphere and they can heat up the ground and they can flood it and they can, they can drought it. They can, they can have it all be weird and then go, see, but the whole reason for all of it is money at the end of the line for all of it. So if money was their God, they're going down in a huge heap. I'd say just, you know, what the Bible says, separate yourselves From Babylon, because she is going down. And I mean, she's like a flaming wreck falling out of the sky right now. So you'll see that. You will see Babylon fall. Hopefully, you'll see the return of Christ, whatever that means. You know, to me, when he says he'll rule with a rod of iron, that does not mean one guy ruling with a rod of iron. That means we are changed. That's the rod of iron any other interpretation? Well, you, had any pastor told me that, I'd still be sticking around. But if you're going to say, you know, he's going to be on some throne with a rod of iron and the whole world's going to obey, just like the subject object relationship, that's not it. Christ is in us. We are Christ, we are God. No, that sounds a little new agey. No, it's not new agey. It's John 17, period. It's right out of scripture. Go read it. How about this? Learn to read. That'd be good for you. No, no, you can't teach people to read the Bible. They have to get the. It's like being, you know, tending to be an artist, musician type person, I guess. It's easier for me to get the spirit of the thing, you know, that's coming through rather than go through with textual linear, time-space criticism based on Satan. Why do I say based on Satan? Because the, everything, the reality here, in a fallen reality as we're in, is based on Satan. I mean, partially, anyway. And, um, you know, it's only as we overcome. How do we overcome? In the spirit. We can't overcome it in the flesh. Therefore, we can't do an intellectual breakdown of anything because it's there's going to be, you know, problems. Well, number one problem is the assumption that this is real. How many people assume that? Like 100% almost. Well, that's the first, with that premise, you will fail. Period. You'll fail. There is there is no uh, possible, uh, hasn't the Mandela effect taught people that, you know, this thing is completely, this thing's fallen apart as well. This you'll see the simulation will be like you wake up one day a glitch in the matrix and suddenly you're seeing like the sky being blue and green at the same time you're like oh my god you know what I mean the ocean not being where it was but being somewhere else being like in the Midwest or something you know and the the the, you know, the 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 Rocky Mountains being in Canada I mean you know you th- th- that all that's possible all that's possible and that you know it's all just part of the the, the wrapping up of this world the destruction of the, uh, the earth, and the sky, and all of it, and then the advent of the New Jerusalem, um, which is uh, also allegorical and metaphorical and, and mystical and mysterious. It's fun being up at this hour. Now my time got off because I was east, and now I'm back west, and I've, so I've gained an hour, but I've lost an hour. And for some reason, I was just going to bed at like 7 and being up at midnight or 1 o'clock or whatever it is now, 2, 3. But I will try to get more. I'll try to catch up and get on a normal schedule. And then cutting the caffeine down a little bit. I do like my tea. It's less caffeine. Huh? You sound a little better. I sound better? Yeah. Well, I'm not... You know, obviously, I still got some work to do to get this thing out of my system. It, 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 I tell you this, this, this one's nasty for people that get it. It, it, it hangs on. It's, uh, I mean, I had all the different colds over the last couple, you know, since twenty twenty. You have the last sip. And the manuka honey helps. Yeah, the manuka honey is very good. You got to get it concentrated though. With a the, uh, the, there's an enzyme, there's a thing that of uh, the manuka when it's harvested that that makes some stronger than others in terms of health issues. But yeah, anytime you get a natural food, that's that's your supplement. I think um, <laughs> if you're a carbophobe, you wouldn't want honey, and then you'd be missing out on one of the great healers of all time. Um, I have a real problem if I don't have. Uh, some carbs, what happens? in my blood sugar, it's like it, um, I eat something, it doesn't really spike completely, but it goes up. But then it keeps settling down, like overnight, below 60, if you know if you know your readings. And um, that's the realm of like hypoglycemic, I'm like 59. And so I need to try to keep that up above 60. So if I did, you know, if I followed like, they tried to tell me I was a diabetic if I followed that I'd be um you know in in a low blood sugar level you know permanently you know which which is a it's just like when people feel slugged out, you're just low blood sugar you just can't really move around and you you know um what happens with diabetics is they their blood sugar stays up above a hundred. Sometimes above like 125. Usually when people eat something like a meal, it goes to about 125, then it just kind of settles back around 70. You know, it comes back down. And then that's, that's the pancreas, you know, providing insulin to bring it back down, and that's normal. But when it stays up above, like, say, 120 all day long for no reason, that is, you know, what I would say is textbook diabetes. You got to bring it down. So people take insulin to bring that down under a hundred but if you're naturally under there then it's kind of lame they tried to prescribe for me you know met foreign, and then i was showed my chart uh you know my results which are basically it goes up a little uh, you know uh when i eat and it comes back down it's just it's the normal cycle they looked at that and they said no prescription necessary you're not a diabetic sorry And they accused me of being an alcoholic and they went and did a nuclear scan of my uh, liver and said, oh, darn it, <laughs> that liver's okay. <laughs> Shoot. And, well, you're going to have to take this heart medication because you have a, 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 a fibrillation. And it's like, well, I think I can use natural things. Rather, They say, but, you know, if you take this you know, blood thinner and then some, some other thing is in combo. They say, if you fall and you hurt yourself or if you cut yourself, you have to come to the hospital... To stop the bleeding, I'm like I don't think that's a risk I'd want to take. you know I'll go to Chinese medicine before I deal with that, but see how they 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 take a snapshot of you in time. gosh, all your organs are failing you know and then they just assume that's you forever and they don't give you room to, to you know it's just the AMA it's just the way it is. it's just unfortunate that medicine is not about people it's about drug companies but then again in a society that money is the god it doesn't that seem to be normal but if you really want health you're going to have to you know pursue it on your own you're not going to get any much you know the hospital's good you break your leg you in an accident some awful thing happens and they can save your life but we also know that there's a lot of organ harvesting going on and a lot of uh, you know let's just say there's a temptation <laughs> to you know, someone's, well, they're going to die anyway. What's wrong with dying a little earlier so I can get those organs harvested? You know you know what I'm saying? There's like a temptation. There's a big money temptation for them to serve the big pharma, the big sorcerer, pharmakia. And um, so as long as that motivation is in place, you're going to have to, we should all take responsibility anyway for our health. But I'm, you know, that's something I've got to focus on. And, and, and if you get too conscious about it, it becomes a, a focus and it and you're not talk, thinking about God more. Putting your mind on him and it's all just about your health and that becomes like an idol of some kind. Well, I've known people who've died prematurely being health fanatics of supplements and organic food and this and that and just, you know, being being complete sticklers and they I've known people like that who were like that for a decade and then the next thing you know, they got these big pot bellies from drinking. And uh it just all fell apart. And, and and just maybe God breaking them to get their mind off that themselves as a health food project and onto God as I say, well Lord, what should I do? Well, how about this one? I pray, Lord, that whatever you put in my mouth, wherever I am, I'm grateful for it, and please uh, may it be a benefit rather than a detriment. Please guide me, Lord. Thank you so much for provision and for food. I'm not going to worry about what I'll eat or what I'll wear. I get that from Matthew 5 and 6. Okay, I'll realign myself with you. And then if I get an idea to do something like, uh, you know, grow mung bean sprouts and have them with a little soy sauce, I'll do it. <laughs> Just thinking of something where I was really on a health kick. I was eating lots of mung beans. <laughs> I would I would have, I'd, we'd sprout them. And then you pour a little bit of... Uh, soy sauce on there and, and you know and, and it, you you feel like you're you're really uh getting something special you know bursting with nutrients and you are but you shouldn't worship it you know what i mean it shouldn't be like oh my god he ate he that he ate a cracker that was gmo oh no you know, but you should avoid it. Like, I, no, I didn't get, I didn't, you know, I drove by, I don't know, I think it was at Albertsons or somewhere. And there was a line, Walmart, I'm one of these. There's a line, and with people, you, you know, lining up for the flu shop and, and, and a free COVID jab. At the same time, you can get your flu and COVID. Or they had them combined or something, and they... They just couldn't wait to get them. And I wonder, what the hell's going to happen when they finally lose control? When these people die, you know, you're going to be losing a lot of friends and neighbors. People have got to be asking questions eventually, right? Or are they next? As people are dying, do you think they could pull it off or they just kill everybody and people don't question it? They don't ask how come the freeways are so empty? Where did all the cars go? Why aren't they riding their bikes like they usually do? Where are, they, where are the joggers? Where are all the people walking their dogs right now? What happened? <laughs> I don't want to ruin your day. Uh, they just moved away. You're fine. Go, just keep doing your routine. Stay to your rituals, everybody. Stay to your rituals. Keep your ritual going. Toothbrush, floss. Go see your caregiver, doctor, your 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 healthcare provider. Go to your dentist. Go to your job. Do a good job. You know, make your budget. You know, get that fridge repaired rather than get a new one. Be preneurious. And, uh, you know, be honest, be good, you know, follow the rules. Don't ask too many questions. You know, stay your course and everything will be all right. Which translates to shut up and do what you're told. And, you, you know, you won't die right now. Okay. And back with COVID, we were telling people, take your mask off. Don't comply. Don't lock down there. You know, I'm just one person. What am I? So no, no, it's a, all the liberal people, you know, people that identified with the Democrat Party, they all locked themselves down and they were sad when it ended. I have a feeling what they really wanted was they really wanted freedom minded individuals to, to force them to lock down. And that was delicious to them. Because everything about them is vengeance. They just want to get even with the people that are not following the rules. You know, the hidden rules, the real rules, the rules that guide everybody, but no one will say. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Those rules that make them think like they're on the inside track and they're going to one day have a seat at the table. Like with your celeb-tard friends, huh? One day you'll have a seat at the table, too. Yeah, no it's uh it's one of these things where i think um even that kind of programming which is that's what it is it's obviously so unreal it can't can't be taken seriously, right? Even that's wearing off, even that's breaking down. People because people want to help that old lady across the road. They want to be nice to they don't want to just, you know, oh there, there's an old white guy, let's kill him. He won't fight back. <laughs> You know, and, you know all that. They, for every one guy like that there's a bunch of people that are, that are still normal they just don't know what to do and they don't know who to talk to they don't talk because they're afraid you know even talk like just about philosophical freedom and slavery or even like historical talk today if you were giving a history class you could be jailed for that So that's not really taking LGBTQ rights into account. That history is wrong. What I hear the other day, we need to abolish history classes from white men because there's too much whiteness going on. We don't want any white books. These are like serious scholars saying this. In, In other words, they're not scholars at all. They're dumbasses. But they're just getting with the crowd, getting onto the fad, because they think it's going to mean more money for them down the road. And besides that, they want to get whitey anyway. They blame whitey for the whole culture, even though white is a small minority. Obviously, it was a majority mover, but you look at how many people of color are moving and shaking and doing things and running cities and running what's going on around here and sports and music and entertainment and everything else. I don't think you see racism, do you, at this point? Unless you're totally dishonest. But, but it's the white privilege culture that uh, survives. It's like, no, I just saw a guy get thrown in prison for simply saying the wrong thing, and I, you know, a white guy, and I've seen black guys walk. So what are you talking about? What are you talking about? There's too much whiteness. We've got to tear down the statue of George Washington. Well, tear it, tear your, tear it all down. You tear it all down. You better tear the buildings down too, because they were also white architects. Any white architects, those buildings should be pulled. As what's his name said about the uh, you know building seven, we had we had to Silverman right Silverstein, Silverstein I had to pull the building. He says, "Well, how many people are in that building when you pull?" Well, who cares? I'm above the law, a made man. Even better, there is no law. There's just the illusion of order. There is no order. Take what you want, but if you take it, you have to defend it. Take the football and run with it if you can. They'll try to tackle you. In most cases, they'll win. It's truly the wild, wild west, but here's what I see. I want to end on this note. I see the plan of the technocrats falling apart. And that includes all the history going back to the 1800s and the time of the Enlightenment and and all that stuff and the Jacobins and the Freemasons and all of it, you know, leading up to today. I see that, you know, what Obama said, we've been planning this for decades, he says, for the new world order. The new world order will never be, folks. The, what they envision, you know, the enslaver of humanity. You can't have New World Order unless you enslave humanity. That was, basically, New World Order was Adolf Hitler. That's that's Nazi stuff. And, like, I, now they're all saying it's Nazi. Isn't that amazing? I said it first. <laughs> no, all it took for me to understand it was the fact that, like, Bush and, and this, uh, some of these presenters on Fox News, like... Uh, Carl Rove and, and all that, we heard about them getting together. On, they'd have Nazi nights for their Skull and Bones members or whatever. And they would sit around in Nazi officers' uniforms you know, smoking cigars and, you know, basically bringing in stri- strippers and stuff and just sort of acting like the, the Nazis. <laughs> Why would they do that, even in jest? Because they truly, that's, that's their new world order. That's what they want. That's what they see. The whole system affecting everything. They're not just after, the, now it's the white people to get rid of the white people, but you, they are all white people. And, um, you know, the blacks are basically, that have agreed to kill the white people, are really serving the white masters. So they're basically in the role of, slave, you know, they're, they, they're not their own masters. Right? They're, they're taking out, they're, they're executing an agenda of somebody else who happens to be elite white. Because the elite whites are paying them to do it. And they're getting money. So it's okay that they're racist. It's okay they want to get rid of black people. It's okay that they're so awful. They won't say anything about them. But they'll go after white people because that's, that's the new trend. And what, the whole problem is whiteness. Get rid of whiteness and, well, you know, you should get rid of English. You should get rid of mathematics. Mathematics. You should get rid of computers, and, and you should get rid of people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all the other white billionaires. They, they should all be eliminated. You know, and you, you know, put Jay-Z up there as the president of everything. And it's anything that, you know, but, but one thing you might want to do is tell Jay-Z, the president of the world... That um, basically, it would be good to stop aborting black children if you want to have a ruling class population. It might be, you know, a good idea to have um, black homes where family is not, you know, discouraged by, um, you know, uh, white people who want to keep blacks in the ghetto. I think that's terrible. That's not me. I happen to be white. That doesn't mean I'm keeping you in the ghetto, but there are people that, you know, a lot of this was started with Lyndon Baines Johnson. Once we start paying these people, we'll have votes for life. Get rid of the family, keep them in the ghetto, keep the whole thing down. And it's just too many of these people are now waking up and they understand what's happened to them because, see, their competition now is coming from their flank, which is the Hispanics, are now just overwhelming the numbers i mean they are in fact they may be the dominant class right now in the in america i mean if you if you're a racist i'm not a racist so i don't care if it's hispanic or black or white or chinese or whatever i don't care you know uh, you know how many people there are of whatever color race or whatever i don't I, I don't care it's the content i don't like evil people no matter what color they are and it's the content of your character. It's really it's about your character. It's about who you are. If you're a good person, I don't care, man. Thank you, for, you. You make the world a better place. You have a conscience, and you 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 know, you're capable of loving people, being compassionate, having empathy. And at the same time, you admit when you're wrong, and you try to do better, and you you're God fearing, and you want to you want to overturn evil, and make it a better place. Wow, you're a hero. Again, no matter what color. The color thing is just really... What's so gross about it is it's so childish. And the reason it's 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 implemented is because of money. In other words, you pay people to be racist at the top. Then they influence everybody else. And they, they go along with it because that's the thing to do, to just run over a white guy in a uh, on a bicycle and then laugh about it in court, you know, and laugh at the guy's family and just be like, you know, basically Charlie Manson. He wanted to overturn the system too, with a race war, no less. They've now they're now Mansonites as well as Nazis. And Manson was a creation of you know CIA. And Laurel Canyon and the Laurel Canyon is filled with uh, elite children who became the rock stars from wealthy families that were high up in in government and military circles. The military industrial the kids from the military-industrial-complex families uh, became the ruling class of rock and roll. Anymore, any more any more illusions you want to have broken? In other words, don't worship celebrities because most of those people are chosen and put there because they can influence you. Now, I admittedly, I watch surfing and drumming and... You know, I'm watching a whole new level of drummers come up and do things we could never do, even blowing away. I think that's what happened with Neil Pert before he died. He got so discouraged with his drumming because he couldn't catch up to the young people who were now starting to, to, to beat him on, you know, rolls, foot rolls and hand, you know, total coordination of all four limbs and just getting more just wild, amazing riffs in. And, you know, and they were just... You know, they, like, you know, pressure pressure rolls with your right or left hand which sounds even like you're doing it with two sticks but it's one while you're doing something else at another time. Yeah, no, he, he he was great and he pushed the envelope but the kids coming up today are just better. They're better than him. There's one guy in particular that's so good it's, it almost seems like AI. It doesn't even seem real anymore. But apparently he is a real guy. And he works for a company called Varus Drums. And his name is like Espario something or other. It's got kind of a weird name. He has like a, a Kazakhstan type accent, I think. It's not Spanish. But he um he'll he'll play like the most complicated, like the drummer for Slipknot uh, you know, wrote to him, emailed him, said I want you, it was it was either Slipknot or one of them had a really complicated song drumming wise. He said, I'd like to see you play that with one hand. So he not only played it with one hand all the notes with one hand. He was reading a book and smoking a cigarette while doing it and just did circles around the guy. And, you know, I've had some of these guys look at him and go, I'm quitting, you know. Like some of these professional guys, these these top drummers and some of these metal bands just go, that's it, I'm quitting. This guy's just, it's amazing. He's the only one that's really rivaled Buddy Rich. But, be that as it may, Neil Peart saw this coming along, saw this trend, and now it's out of control. You've got little kids now doing doing all the same licks as all the big metal bands and doing it better than them. Kids, you know, when I say kids, I mean eight years old. Yes. So, you know, Neil saw this coming and apparently did an interview where he, he felt, you know, frustrated that he couldn't move further. He tried to, Move into jazz. He was so enamored with Buddy Rich, he even put a. He got a similar drum kit when he played with a jazz band, and he put his initials N P. on the uh, on the drum. I think it was a Slingerland drum set. He put the initials on the bass drum, just like Buddy Rich did. Buddy had B R, and he had you know N P. And it sounded pretty good, but it was no Buddy Rich. He just wasn't anywhere near as good as Buddy Rich. You know, Tom Sawyer was the best he ever really did, you know, and he did some other, he did some cool drumming, in-the-pocket drumming, I enjoyed it. To me, I'd say he, and probably my favorite drummer of the whole, pack, call me an old, fuddy-duddy, cliche guy, you know, or just over the hill or whatever. But I've still got to go back to John Bonham, he's the best rock drummer that ever lived. And it's not, you know, yes, these guys can do circle, they can do the foot thing, they can do 30-second stroke rolls with their feet, they can do all kinds of things. But still, I don't care. It's the tastiness of those licks, it's the the things that he chose to do in those moments, the power of his playing, the sound of his kit, the sound of his, the, the way he had it worked out. And uh, the interesting licks he came up with and how interesting. And, and you know, the thing about Neil Purdy, he sold himself short because, see, Neil had a similar thing going on, too. Um, I still like uh, Gonzo better. And there's still guys, that they'll, they'll do uh, something like rock and roll, and they'll play it. And, and I, I've, even this other guy that I was just talking about, this Ispario guy, he... Uh, he, he did a tribute to Gonzo where he played, you know, just like Chad Smith of the Chili Peppers played a tribute to Gonzo, and, and a lot of people have. But none of those guys sound as good as the original Led Zepp drummer that died early, like 36 years old or something, from, um, you know, complications of drugs and alcohol. And, uh, you know, a lot of times what happens is people get uh, poisoned and their organs shut down. And that's what, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, I I got poisoned too. And I went to the hospital, you know, but it wasn't from drugs. It was from, I think it was tainted food, but then it also triggered another infection. And then before you know it, I had sepsis. The next thing you know, all my organs failed. And I was just like a dead man walking. And oh boy, the racists in the hospital, they love that. They had me it's really fun to be in a place where when you hit the button for the nurse's station, they just sit at their desk and laugh at you. You know what I mean? That it's, it's, it's a, it's a sight to see, to realize that nobody cares about you. Nobody, you know, and it's a, I'm not surprised so many people died in the hospital with a COVID you know, with that kind of attitude, they just shove that stuff down your throat. The next thing you know, you just your lungs just expire. You know, you're done. But don't feel so bad. You know, there are things worse than dying. I think the greatest achievement a man can do, really, in this life, is to die a good death. But inherently, in that statement, comes leading a good life. Da 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 da. Finding, you know, being able, you know, to to die a good death. Takes a, a a mighty big change in a human being. You got to forgive. Basically, what the Bible says. You know, you've got to be good to other people. You have got to forgive. You even people that 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 mercilessly used you and hated you and persecuted you and people in the hospital. You got to forgive, and I forgive them all. I I don't forget what they did. I don't like it. But that's really not my challenge. Since it's not my challenge, I can easily forgive them and dismiss them. You know, it doesn't mean I have to go back and be a doormat. You know, am I forgiven enough, Lord? (laughs) Okay, walk on me some more. Go ahead and insult me for no good reason. How about try to sabotage my car, do something really bad, and and, and I forgive you. Is that okay, Lord? Can I walk on No, you don't need to associate with anyone. If you need to separate yourself from people that are evil... Basically, that's what the Lord is wanting us to do. Separate ourselves from evil. We actually ask Him in the Lord's Prayer to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The King, think about that. The kingdom, meaning reality, real reality. The power, the source, and the glory, King the one, no second, forever, amen, world without end, the real world never ends, only a simulated world could actually end, but it's God's simulation, ultimately he's in control, so we get back to that same circular thing that we do when we go to intellectual person. I'm gonna find out the truth, I'm gonna beat God. I'm gonna make it work for me, I'm gonna self empower, and then I'm gonna manifest whatever I want. Okay, go ahead. But at the end of all that, that sounds, uh, I'll just quote the big Lebowski when he's listening to Nihilist. He goes, that sounds exhausting manifesting whatever you want. Well, what do you want? Cars? Usually, what do guys get? This is how stupid they are, like TikTok. They, I've got, well, I've got 15 cars and 12 women. What do you think about that? And my answer would be, that sounds exhausting. Because every one of those cars needs maintenance. And so do the women. I don't know how you do it, buddy, but, you know, uh, you're obviously occupied 24-7 with your problems, and I want to be a simple man that lives in the forest. Okay? As long as the forest is not your God, you're good to go. <laughs> I, I, My lifestyle is better than your lifestyle. I live in the woods. <laughs> Everywhere is food and abundance. and We don't have to live like this. Well, it's true. We will need to uh, you know, build a new economy. We will need to have a new system. But... You know, we can't reject the cornerstone because if we reject the cornerstone, then we're right back to where we were. Wild, wild west, everybody killing everybody. Just one big, big, you know, shit show. And it's always been like this in my life. I mean, just more or less. I mean, when, when tragedies come home, when you have friends that die and people you know are dead, uh, it gets, it animals are dead. And, you know, it gets harder, You know, Ben's been sitting with me. You haven't heard one squeak, have you? You haven't heard one little squeak. Oh, Ben. Oh, Ben. He wants me to go back to bed and get some sleep. Well, I have to sleep if I'm going to kick this cold. It's now heading into the lungs. It's great, huh? (coughs) Well, it's not bad. I mean, it's not as bad as it's been, but I'm you know, having to take all the stuff and hydroxychloroquine, I'm taking, you know, zetromycin, blah, 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 blah. And that's eased it a little bit, but it's still, it's, it's, a, it's a whopper, man. And so protect thyself. okay? We had no choice. We, we had uh, taken our bus, you know, we're restoring this, uh, it's a 2007 Prevost bus, and it was a 2010 conversion by a company at that time called Outlaw, which did exquisite work. And you know, just just exquisite. You couldn't really duplicate this today. And but there's a million things wrong with it. Okay. okay it's like buying a used car and say, Oh yeah, kick the tires, you know drive we didn't get a mile from the guy I bought it from to where the check engine light didn't go off. Remember in the parking lot? Oh yeah. And then, then I go, Hey, check engine light and I call the service manager, he goes, You must have a light bulb out. He says, I, I they were so this is a guy that is supposedly running a you know some kind of dealership, but this guy would specialize in, in motorhomes and and uh, and bus conversions. And so we wanted a bus because um, I'm a driver. I like to drive. Had I had a more normal life, I could see being a professional driver because I just really enjoy the, the road. So that the whole idea of a bus was that it's built from the ground up to be a bus to drive on the highway. Then they do the conversion of making it so you can, you know, live in it or sleep in it or whatever, you know, make it into a, a little home on wheels. But they can't... But you're keeping the integrity... It's a bu- still a bus is a bus is a bus. It's going to drive like a bus, like the Greyhound bus. It's going to drive like that. And... Um, but anyway, still, we're going back to 2007. And I don't... I think this thing has been... I've just been researching like all that was done and not done. And I mean, some people really did some work, but then there's some neglect too, quite a bit. I think years of neglect. There was years of neglect. So we finally got it out. Of, we, so we had to take it to Houston, to the center there, to, uh, and, you know, to, to, to let them have their way with it, to, to go through what's called a roadworthy inspection and fix whatever. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, we had to stay in a hotel. And so we're down there dealing with the bus every day. It was fun staying active. Yeah, we at one point we stayed in the industrial park where they locked us in this, in this area where there's all these buses parked, and so we could run bends around in there. It was a, it was kind of fun. But anyway, we had to stay at this like La Quinta hotel in the you know close by the, uh, the uh, service center, and the service center is all run by Volvo. Volvo is, owns Prevo it's like looks like prevost when you see these buses you know greyhound buses they're all prevost and and they print they're a canadian french canadian company so it's called prevost so that now you know something a lot of people don't know and uh they're also used for entertainment like our main guy there one of the great mechanics is uh he started off by being an entertainment driver so he would drive all the country stars and the whatever, around, and they all have Primo buses for tours. That's what all the rock stars use. That's what, on uh, location, they'll use for, you know, the top actors will have a, a bus rather than a star wagon. And um, they put a lot into it, you know, into the conversion. But obviously, you know, these buses can be like $3 million. <laughs> it's, so we're getting this old, we don't want anything. that We wanted something old that we would restore and, you know, just because there's a whole bunch of people that have done that. And uh, the price is significantly, I mean, ridiculously lower. And um, and so we started that journey, and, and I'm glad we, I wish we had started, early, I wish I had done it earlier, because I hate to say this, but motorhomes are pretty well junk, you know, in terms of it's a truck chassis with a, a, a cardboard box on top of it. That's basically, they look nice. And they have all kinds of features, like, Oh, it'll auto-do this, it'll auto-do that, it'll rub your back, it'll (laughs) do anything, you know, it'll, they have all these, like, modern conveniences, but everything is so thin, like, if you just sneeze in the back of the coach, someone will hear it in the front, even if you have a 45-footer, so these buses are so well-insulated, I would yell from the bedroom area, where I have a, they, they had a, last people that did, added to it, put in some 4K TVs and there's one in the bedroom, and it's with a, a Bose system, and it's a perfect place to watch a film. And I'm back there, and I'm screaming, Tr Trish, Trish can't hear me. I'm completely locked in my own world. So that's the kind of insulation that, that it's got. But we had to do this work. And after the work was over, we got back in it, and, you know, there's still some things. You know, there's always going to be something. But it drove, like... And I insisted they put on the oil change, we start using the Lucas, you know, that a certain percentage, like, okay, if we're going to put in 40 quarts of oil, then what we want is um, eight quarts of that should be the uh, Lucas oil treatment. Because I learned this from Mike Horsey about it. He had a truck that had like 250,000 miles on it. It was just like butter. But he'd always do lots of oil changes, but always putting that... uh, putting that Lucas in. So we started doing the Lucas gas and oil, both. And, um, you know, it it was just like, it was like, I'd say it just drove like something new. It just was like, it drove itself. I drove it with like one finger (laughs) through the wind. It was like stable. It's just a joy to drive, actually. But it's taken like about a year to get to that point. See what I mean? And so, you know, if you need it immediately... Get a, you know, motorhome if that's what you want to do. I, I don't think I had, knowing what I know now, I would not buy one. What I would buy if I wanted to hit the road or even live in it, you know, because we spent a lot of time, and we'll probably have more time to be driving around and maybe we'll meet some of you out there. But, you know, uh, we, we can easily live in it, particularly because of the insulation. In other words, because of the fact that Outside the bus is another world. You don't hear them, they don't hear you. you in your own world, it's, you don't like it, just turn the key on and leave. But uh, what I was going to say is, if I were going to do it like, like you know, beginning, like we began with a tent trailer, so, so we'd be at RVing, you know, 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> like that. And then I had, I had a motorhome when I was, Young, like in the seventies, I had a like a twenty-seven foot Fleetwood. Uh, it was uh, pretty cool, actually. Flimsy as could be, you know. A strong wind would have just blown it apart. But um, if you have to do, it, I would say the greatest thing to do, and what I see people doing, is doing their own conversions on these Sprinter vans, without no slide outs. Don't don't touch the integrity of the of the. Of the metal body, just leave that body alone because it 's quiet you know just as as they are, and then I see that the most successful ones are people using that platform and then converting it themselves, putting in what things they want, and um, putting in you know whatever kind of features they need to have and then those you can park in the parking lot of a market, or you can you don 't have to pull a car behind you, you can pretty much use it for driving anywhere you want and there's a lot of freedom. At my age that's sometimes I'll be three days in the bus, maybe riding something. I need the, the bus the bus is if I didn't have that I probably wouldn't go anywhere. You because know, airports are out. I I whatever illness is out there, I seem to catch them pretty easily. So I think even though I do have a good immune system, it's still you know, still going on seventy years old here. So The bus is, you know, kind of a good way of doing it. But we're not done. Visually, it looks done. Beautiful inside and out and all that. It's taken about a year. Paint was already good. It's already great. So there's, you know, uh, and anything could happen, you know, new. But if all things go well, I should be able to do some driving. And the other thing was, is that the... The driving I like equally, if not more, than the actual camping somewhere. Because I don't really care about camping. I mean, you have Two days in a place and I want to go already. So the, it's the driving that I like. And that's what's what attracted me to it. It's the driving and the fact that the integrity is not um, compromised. Like if you get the new thing now is a super C. You got a truck front and then a big box behind you. Okay, so you're driving a truck, and you're behind the wheel of a truck, and you have a truck front, and you're driving. And that's probably a better solution than a lot of them. But still, it's not... It doesn't look inviting to drive that all over the country. It's like you drive that to where you need it. You know, like we have camera guys, okay? Camera guys love those. They put all their camera gear in it, and sometimes they'll pull another trailer with more camera stuff and dollies and drones and whatever they're going to have, lenses and... Camera stuff, So they like those because they're all equipment-oriented. You know But, but typically, um, driving a truck that has the box converted to a house, uh, well, like when we, we had one, and I could hear everything outside, there is like no real privacy. Stuff starts falling apart after maybe two years. And, you know, little you know, handles come off and, you know, the doors, <laughs> the door is, is literally like a piece of cardboard. They actually put a half bath in these, in these newer ones now. You got your bathroom in the back and you've got his and her sinks, and you've got a shower, closets, bedroom with a king size bed, washer and dryer, and all that's great. And then you get out to, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a half bath and I just never understood that. So if you're going to be going on one of these buses, you need, you need a bathroom area and then you need like, a you know, a toilet with the door that shuts. So that's all you need. You don't need one toilet in the bedroom, you know, one out halfway there. But the reason they put those in, because you can't make it all the way to the back of the bus or you can't make it to that toilet in the back without having to climb over the bed when the slides are in. So they give you a half bath is that, that is not the solution. The solution is a better design, okay? things like that, you know um, That's not to say someone might reinvent you know there may be some new thing made pretty soon that that works, but the whole thing with the bus, and then why why look for something from like two thousand seven? And go back there that, because that's when they were made really well—the premium aluminum and steel—and you know what I mean. And uh the motors—if you get a motor with a hundred thousand miles on it—that's just basically the ten percent break-in time, because they're meant to drive one million miles. So that's another incentive for for the for the diesel. And then we know Michael out there—he he took a school bus and converted that, you know. Uh, Michael Donahue, the musician. And um, the, 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 he played some of his music here before. And uh, I thought he did a great job with that. And that's, that was a really a labor of love. And he got that done very quickly. You know, to where you're working with steel, you're chopping out windows, putting the welding on steel, you know, to you know, cover those windows up, putting in a stove. I think that's a great idea, putting in an actual wood-burning stove. Yeah, no, that bus idea is, actually, if you're going to do a motorhome on the cheap, I would recommend doing what he did, which is to get an old school bus, especially the longer one, with the truck front. And then then do what you wanted. You know, plan it out, and then, you know, do what you're going to do. There was one couple, they had two bedrooms, two baths, okay, washer and dryer, uh, they, I mean, a room for kids and a room for them. They had their kids. They just lived on the road. Full-on stove, you know. Stove still makes more sense than, than electric. Um, I'm not going to do that with this one, but I'm just saying that, that you know, you find some wood, throw it in there. You've got your warmth. You've got your heat. And you've got your cooking all in one thing. And these buses have three. This one has three heating systems. Hydronic heating, number one. Uh, Rooftop, uh, heat pump heating from the rooftop airs. And then there's baseboard heating. It's ridiculous. That's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot to keep track of. But um, it's really good. I really like the road. I really like driving. So that's the point. Driving is a pleasure, even more than a sports car, more than a... I like it better than the SUV that I've got an SUV. It drives really nice. It's, you know, it's basically your cop car SUV with all the mod cons and really quiet, you know, like a limo, it's quiet, comfortable, not as fun as driving the bus, not as quiet, you know, plus the bus is super quiet and it's like it rides on air, so it just floats along and uh, you can drive it really fast and be in control, which is something that you should never do with a motorhome. Because motorhomes, I don't care what, they, they tried to put a compensation thing in where you, if you have a lot of wind, you turn up this knob, and it's supposed to brace you from where the wind's coming from. Uh, and it decides which way the wind's coming from by a computer. You don't decide it, the computer does. Big red flag. you know. And a big gust can still throw you off. So that's some of my justifications. The other reason is that, yeah, you know, none of this—you know—moving up and getting something bigger. about you're moving down. You're getting something used. You're getting something you need to work on. You're getting something that's more of a uh, kind of a hobby thing. You know, to, to get it up to speed. All that is part of the. It's, that's all fun too. It's all part of the journey. But you know, nobody I know can just do all that right now. You have to be patient. You have to look for parts. You have to look for prices. You have to, you know, uh, be uh, smart about it. Or or you'll wind up with, you know, like, it's like a boat. Exactly. You wind up with a hole in the ocean that you throw money in. And you really don't want to have that sort of thing. So right now I feel pretty fortunate. I don't know what's ahead in the adventure. Um, I have broken down once in it. And that's because we had blown a a turbo uh, sensor and uh, we didn't have one handy to pop it back in. We tried to drive to the RV park with the check engine light saying, you know, and eventually that engine light, check engine turned to stop engine. And all of a sudden, the bus stopped on the I-10. And we had to get it towed into our RV place, our RV spot, which was pretty embarrassing because the whole... RV Park was staring at us. <laughs> oh, too bad. You're, you're, you're a beautiful bus, huh? Yeah, I'm glad I just have my, my O Ford. It always works. It always gets me to where I'm going. But you guys buy these buses, these exotic buses, and you wonder why they break down. <laughs> so that's the argument against it. You know, it's maintenance. But um, my... Arguing back is whenever I've had, I did a restoration on a 1969 Mercedes Coupe once. And boy, oh boy, I did everything. I mean, I did everything. Metal, sheet metal, wheels, axle, motor, you name it, I had to do it. And it was a wearying thing. But what I wound up with in the end was a beautiful, was a beautiful car, you know, a and, and fun car. I put on Rush, you know, like Tom Sawyer in the, Little CD player I had in there, and just like blew my mind with a subwoofer. I had you know some speakers, and uh, it was a fun car. Uh, the bus is really no different. The only the only difference, I guess, is that you do your own fort. And the thing about this one is, it had a design. Whoever had it, whoever designed it, whoever commissioned it for 2010 is when it was done. Um, they had really good taste, and we just all we had to do is just fix stuff that was that they had already done and just or make it better put in better tile on the floor and the in the shower and you know just uh i'm i'm the kind of person creatively that likes to you know i do this with houses too i used to flip houses at one point and uh, made a good living doing that but what i would do is go into a house and go into the bus, just like a house, same thing, and take what's there and enhance it rather than the other approach is to level it and just build it again, and I, I just never want to do that. I'm always the, I always want to, if I can preserve that floor, but I could build this, and okay, if I can do this stone fireplace, if I can add a little stuff over here, do something over there, and make it you know interesting without spending a lot of money, that's what I'm, what I'm pretty good at changing the whole dynamic and look and feel of the place without, you know, ruining it. I remember I had this one house that was by a semi-famous architect in L.A. And it was a nothing house. I mean, it was like a... But it was by the semi-famous architect. It had this one bathroom with this really lousy sink. You're kind of like almost like a Home Depot thing you buy. It's all put together. You stick it in there. And that's it, you know. When you don't really care... <laughs> you just need something because the other one's falling apart so you put this in there you know sheet what what uh yeah, just the worst wood the worst everything and you know plastic knob on the on the sink you know gold uh you know brass paint on it not even real brass right so i sanded that off and uh i had extra rocks from a paving thing we we're doing a little paving on the outside uh and these are uh, flagstone rocks. So I had some extra. I brought it in there along with some tile. It just covered all the surfaces, including that, uh, I don't know, that, that table with the sinks in it, you know. It had two sinks. And uh, it sold for a lot of money. I, I can't believe it. they accepted it. It, it. To this day, I don't think they've touched the bathroom I did put some travertine tile, um, antique travertine in the uh around the shower only, because it had a little uh outside kind of a, a fern garden thing going outside there. But the rest of it was just flag, all covered in flagstone, the whole thing. And it created like this almost like Fred Flintstone bathroom. But it was, you know, it was still sticking with the guy's design and uh and the people they loved it. Taking a bold, you know, the the right approach would have been for most people to take it, you know, gut the whole thing, start over, and then paint it. I don't like paint. I like tiles. So, you know, something more solid. I like plaster. No one does that anymore. Anyway, I've wasted your time here with all this stuff. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, I've got to figure a way to uh, get back here, and I've been talking to you for two hours and 11 minutes. Well, thank God, you know, and thank you for being there today, and thank you for being supportive, and please pray for me and Trish to get over our colds we got on the road. Um, but we were, you know, I think we're ready to go. I think we're ready to, 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 to um, I think we are. I, I may be wrong. And uh, this world is falling apart, but it's falling apart at the physics level, you know, at the math level, and it's because it's overridden. It's I think it's because of in, of, in, you know the computers are overloaded. I really do. Too many things have been figured out. You know, too many things have been. You know, you know, too much projection has been. Put into it and so they're not going to get their new world order and um so now they're like well we can't make them into our slaves let's just get rid of them they can't even do that in fact all the incompetence that they tend to talk about about other people and all the arrogance and all the putting themselves above everybody like bill gates the other day saying oh come on are we with the idiots are we with science you know what do you mean growing trees that's evil (laughs) Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. Okay. I'm going to go. Zeph Daniel here. Uh back to, to work on the book. Um it's it's hard to write you know about the hospital. It's hard to write about the, the human condition in that way. All right, here we go. I'll see you next time.